Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where we, in the Venice chapter, are going to explore a seemingly abandoned building. More on that in a moment. We'd like to thank our listeners and our Patreon supporters for all they do to support the show. If you'd like to join that group of supporters, you can go to patreon.com slash the old ways podcast where um, you can help save or damn all of these people. Uh, And in that regard, we will let them do their work tonight. And so with introductions, we begin to my right. Hello, this is Mike and I play James Robert Fraser, who's seen something rather disturbing in the water. Mm, You are not the only one, sir. Uh, to your right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I don't know what everyone's going on about. It just looked like water to me. You know, it certainly did. We'll see if that bears out throughout the episode at the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm very concerned about Miss Maggie right now. <laughs> Aren't we all? Well, all of us except for Maggie. Speaking of, to your right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I'm playing your Lord and Savior, Maggie Bellinger. Fantastic. I cannot wait for your return. And last, most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And uh, all Richard can see is that twinkle in Maggie's eyes. Indeed you can, Professor. And perhaps a change, a slight change anyway, in her perspective. We raised the curtain tonight in a cold and hollow place. The Palace Ritzignani is dark, cold, and echoey. Your footsteps as you enter this long hallway seem to play back at you off the interior walls and on the floor. Clearly decrepit on the outside, it is fundamentally peeling on the inside as well. There is a long stretch of hallway in front of you. And this hall seems to move probably about 10 to 12 meters in front of you until it spills out towards the right-hand side. And so I guess I would ask, since she was first to enter, Miss Bellinger, where are you headed to? Maggie will head straight forward, walking with a purpose. She believes that wherever she walks will probably lead her directly towards the leg, as it is meant to be. Understood. So she'll head down into wherever it opens up to and kind of take a look around. Yeah, so just moving forward at a 
reasonable pace, a, a measured pace, because you're here to claim something which should be yours by right. Uh, the hallway opens up to your right, and it, it opens into a very grand and wide courtyard. It seems to be a hollowed-out portion of the structure itself. Not by any uh, destructive means, but by architectural design. This courtyard is massive. It is likely, I would say, maybe 30 meters wide, and then, say, maybe 50 or so meters deep. It's very big. It takes up a large chunk of the interior of this building. And all along this courtyard, there are colonnades. There are pillars that support the rest of the building. And you get a beautiful view of something which was once very grand. It is no longer grand by any means. Something has befallen this poor, sad building. And whether it is the hands of time, or whether it is something, again, more malevolent, is yet to be determined. Do we see where the clock tower is? Deeper into the building, Mr. Fraser, there does seem to be some sort of small entranceway, some sort of small doorway, maybe, that would lead in the clock tower's direction. Just for your own understanding geographically, you would know that the clock tower is in the, we'll say, as you stare at the building from the entrance point, the lower left. So you're right next to it. But getting in is a different matter. So directly to your left is that large clock tower uh, portion of the building that you that you would you would know is there, but it's blocked off obviously by brick and by the rest of the architecture. It's there. It's just a matter of finding how you get into it. In that same hallway area, this entranceway, the far end of it there's a long set of staircases. Wide staircase, like some sort of grand staircase like likely which leads up to the, the further upper floors of the building. And so you have the ability there to explore that as well. What's everyone else doing? Rather predictably, Richard is just following Maggie at the moment. Simon's going to be third, more or less in the middle of the party, as I'm assuming uh, Jim is going to be hanging back with Lady E to cover her. So I'll be right behind Maggie and the professor to be able to cover them. And my pistol is out. Yeah, um... Fraser's is going to take his pistol out as well, just to have it in hand, just in case, keeping his eyes peeled as they go. Shall we stay with the main party, Mr. Fraser, or shall we split up? I think perhaps it might be wise to stick together. As you're moving through this initial space, uh, you can see servants' quarters, kitchens, laundries, pantries. They're all empty. There are no corridors in that space, right? It's room to room being purpose-built. They lead into this grand hall, which is where you're standing now, and then there's the courtyard there to your right. You can see that the the paint is peeling on the ceiling here. Uh, There are gilded doors that at one point were likely some of the the best in all of Venice that are now standing in ruin. Interestingly enough, Mr. Fraser, you would notice that the carpets have all been pulled up. So all your footsteps within the structure here echo there's no padding in any of these rooms either carpets would if they were still here probably be uh, rotting I dare say that uh, 
the place has been stripped of anything of any value at all long since. You would also see in some of these side rooms too, white uh, cloths, moles and cloths cover the furniture. And you see several statuary pieces stand in niches along the Palazzo's walls. Simon, it brings you back in an abrupt way to the days being in the mines in Appalachia during the colder months. Because you start seeing your breath in the air here. It seems even colder here inside than it would be outside, which is a little bit troubling. Does that make sense? No, sir. So this this doesn't seem natural. The structure seems natural. The environments are a little off. Everyone, it's colder than normal. This might be associated with spirits of some sort. I know you don't like that, Jim. What do you mean, ghosts? Or maybe the memories of ghosts, like of former people. But does this feel normal, this temperature for you? I mean, I know large stone buildings can be cooler on the inside than on the outside, but it, yes, it does seem a, a little chilly. Uh, can you see your breath, sir? That's not normal. If you say so. All of this is uh, in the background to you, Maggie. You're far too interested in what's in front of you. And so you've walked in, gotten somewhat of an assessment of the hallway and now the courtyard. And you see at the far end of this courtyard, maybe again, a hundred plus feet down, you can see that there are a line of very tall statues at the end of this courtyard. Well, I would love to go inspect them. They have legs. They do. They definitely do. So you wander through the courtyard. Again, it's very open. Um, It's open to the air as well because there's a big pocket here in the building. You know, that opens to the sky and you can tell that the, the evening air is beginning to take Venice And even beyond the smell, the slight smell of burning wood that is lingering here, you can see that the evening fog is rolling in over Venice. But weather is not as much of a concern to a being like you. However, these statuaries do seem to almost regard you in, in a way as you approach. You can see their faces and bodies turn just ever so slightly as a being of divinity walks among them. Your presence moves even the marble. I would expect no less. Ladyship, it occurs to me that uh, evening is drawing on and we don't have any light sources with us. We need to be quick. Perhaps there's some torches or something in here. Either way. Uh, So again, um, Mr. Fraser, you were going to go look at that door, which you believe leads to the the clock tower, yes? Ah, yes. Sorry, yes. If you'd care to give me a spot hidden roll as you go up to investigate the door. Absolutely. And then, Maggie, are you going to just visually look at them? Are you going to inspect their legs, check the marble, so to speak? Yes. Well, I wanted to run my hands over them. I'll kind of like walk past them and 
run my hands up and down them, look at the legs. They are a fine piece of work, each one. Uh, although some of the statues here could certainly use repair, it seems there's probably been some wear and tear, what with the environment overhead, but also perhaps there's been some, some people in here, some petty humans who've decided to take their frustrations out on some of these statues or, or worse. And while the marble is wonderful, though the and the stone that is left here, none of them are as exquisite as the simulacrum pieces you've seen. This is not what you were looking for. Yes, and I think in Maggie's mind, she already knows that. Like, she wasn't actually looking for the leg here. Come on. I know it's not here. Mr. Fraser? Yes. Oh dear, that is a fail. That's a 94 over 80. But I'm willing to push it. Are you now? Mm Mm-hmm. I am. I am indeed. How would you like to push this roll? What I'm thinking is that um, maybe uh, I've kind of caught a glimpse of something out out of the the corner of my eye, Um, but um, not sure whether I've really seen anything or or not. Um, So I think I need a different vantage point to maybe see if I can uh, see it a little bit better. So um, perhaps there's um, a, a low ledge or a windowsill or something that I could uh, clamber up onto to to get a better view? I would say that there's a spot you could potentially look at it to get a a different angle on the door. Yeah. Alright, I I will uh, make make my way to that that position and sort of scramble up as as best I can and uh, try again. And that is a normal success. 75 under 80. Okay. Yeah, taking a look at the door... The rest of the doors around here maybe are not in the best of repair. This one is much the same, but the one thing that which remains fairly well in working order, it seems, is the lock and the handle for this door. Um, so I kind of look around. Is there anybody other than uh, Lady Elizabeth who's kind of close to me at the moment? The others headed off in a different direction. Yeah, they're, everyone's fanned out a little bit at this <sighs> point. Maggie's far down the end of the courtyard, Richard's coming up behind her and then it seems like Simon is playing the middle position between the two groups so much for sticking together your ladyship come and look at this the, the, the lock of this uh, this tower the, the door to it it, it looks uh, it looks new well oiled I think this has been used recently Simon Simon call the others would you I think I found something I make my way over to the door professor yes we're going to be needing, I think, your your criminal skills over here. My, my what? Your malfeasance. Good God, man, I don't think I can even spell that. You, you, can, open, you can open a lock, can't oh. you? I see, I see. Um, uh, Maggie, Maggie, um, Simon's found something. Oh, Simon, you found something for me. I would be, uh, Jim, he found it and... He needs the professor. Oh, well, you have my blessing. Thank you, professor. Um, which is looking torn. Okay. And he wanders off to the the lock. Don't worry, Richard. I'll accompany you. Ah, well, that that's good. Um, perhaps we can use the device to find the leg. 
That sounds like a fantastic idea. What am I done with this door? Three of you walk over. Ah, ah there, there, there you are. Um, I think um, I found something here. The, the lock on the door to this tower seems to be uh, a lot cleaner and, and in better condition than uh, most of the rest of this place. I, I, a strong suspicion that it's uh, been used recently. Do you think, uh, Professor, that uh, your uh, skill that you exhibited on the the door of the building can be employed to the same effect here? Uh, well, I mean, every lock is like a, a mathematical puzzle, and um, yes, as long as you can sort of feel your way around them, that you should be able to work out how they go together. And um, yes, I don't, I don't need an explanation, but can you just, just if you could do it, then could you do it, please? We don't have an awful lot of time. Okay. And he just goes over to the lock, slightly put out. Fraser, you do notice that it's starting to get a little darker out. That is evident. All right, Richard, give us a, give us a locksmithing roll. Don't think this is going to be as lucky as last time. 64. That, that'll be a quite a fail. All right. You begin to fiddle with the lock. As, uh, as weak as the door might seem... It does feel to you, anyway, that there's got to be a way through the locking mechanism. It's Maybe it's Italian-built, whatever it is. And so you start thinking about how Italians would, would build a lock. What have you seen mechanically from Italians? You start thinking about the Alfa Romeo factory, and your brain kind of goes into a, a hundred different directions about how cogs and gears go together, and you drift a little bit. Which is pretty common for you. You've, you've had quite a, a few wonderful thinking moments just drifting. And then you get an idea. Ah, yes. Now, what's your idea? Would you like to accept the simple failure? Or would you like to push the roll? Well, there we go. So Richard thinks to himself, maybe it's some sort of orientation issue. I mean, after all, um, Italians drive on the other side of the road. So maybe they're kind of thinking in the way that the locks work is somehow kind of reversed so maybe Richard's going about this all wrong and rather than the levers sort of pushing up to, to unlock the thing maybe they push down so yeah he's going to kind of try what he's been trying but from a different angle from in reverse almost Maggie will also come up and put her hand on Richard's shoulder um, to give her blessing for this action it's a wonderful idea is there a hand of Maggie bonus there is not no Never mind. I had to ask. It's in the wrong place for that. It's better, but not, um, yeah, no good. So 54 rather than 64. Now, so you know, I know that this isn't my failure. This is, uh, Richard has fa- has failed me mm. as his god. So, so um, you continue to work inside the lock for another minute or two. And uh, unfortunately for you, Professor, the tension that you put on the pick is a little too much. And you and your compatriots are greeted by the echo of just the briefest of metal snapping. Ah, And you see Richard's shoulders slump and a small bit of air comes out of his lungs. You can tell he's suitably frustrated with his uh, performance. I take it from that you aren't successful. No, I am fear the um um the pick i was using it's made of sheffield steel um this lock is made of inferior materials um 
It seems to have snapped, I'm afraid. Simon, perhaps you have faith enough to open the door for me? Clearly, Richard's brains have failed him. Perhaps you're brawn. I think a, a large, heavy lump of faith might do the job, eh? Uh, Simon's going to look at the door, and how strong are... I mean, the lock is new, but how strong is the hasp, the door itself, the hinges? Oh, I mean, the hinges were probably old this century at some point. Uh, the wood on the door, which was once gilded and fairly reasonably appointed, has waned. The only thing that really does look like it's new is the this portion of the lock and the plate, right? So the handle and the plate are here are a little newer, it seems. But that's only a relative term. Well, Simon, remember what Archimedes said. Give me a place to stand and a lever long enough, I'll move the world. Perhaps uh, a lever long enough will allow you to move this door. I'm, I'm just going to try and break it down with my shoulder. That's yeah, a strength roll. That's a 14. I believe that's an extreme success. What's your strength? Strength is 80. Absolutely, that's an extreme. So you put your shoulder into this door, and after a, a brief moment, it snaps in half, and you collapse forward through the door as it crumples, and you crumple into darkness. See, Simon, I told you it was in you all along. That is true faith taking mental notes on the nascent cult I'm watching emerge. <laughs> you hear a ticking for just a moment, a mechanical movement, and then a great gong sound from overhead. Now, as a pipe smoker, Mr. Fraser always has a box of matches in his pocket. He's going to take the opportunity to strike one. All right, you strike a match. There's not a ton of light that gives off from a match, but enough that it's not completely dark. Uh, you see Mr. Griffith there tipped over on his arse. Uh, that's fairly easy to see. And, but beyond that, uh, there might be a staircase there. One thing is plainly true, though, Mr. Fraser, and that is the this clock tower is pitch black. There are no windows. There are no lights. Now, the door you said splintered in, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Can I grab a big enough rip off um, a piece of my shirt, wrap it around the top, and use one of his matches to make a torch? Certainly something like that could be done, yes. So if you're trying to make a traditional torch, right... Uh, traditionally, the fabric then would be soaked in some sort of oil. So if you just light the fabric on fire, it won't last very long. I, I understand. Um, okay. I don't see any oil around here. and I'm certainly not going to hand you any. No, I, I doubt I could pass a luck roll to get them. Um, would you like a luck roll? <laughs> why not? Let's, let's, let's go ahead and mock myself further with my numbers. 85. That is not a... Yeah, you get your piece of wood that you can make a torch out of. You get a nasty splinter doing so. All right, take my point of view. You'd better. But yeah, you can absolutely make a torch. I guess the question would be is, 
I would like to know specifically in what amount of clothing you are losing to do so. I'm willing to lose the whole shirt. I still have my, my jacket. Okay. So uh, I'll start with the sleeves. Uh, so you pull off one of your sleeves. That should be enough to serve the purpose for the moment. So it's clear, Maggie, that Simon is willing to not only sacrifice his body, but also his material wealth for your needs. A clear follower. It's much better than Richard. In fact, far sturdier, too. Far more agile, larger in likely many ways. <laughs> Feet, arms, hands, shoulders. Come on, people. What do you think this is? So you gather up the cloth, Simon, and you make a torch. You do have to uh, beg a match from uh, Mr. Fraser's smoking um, equipment stash for it, but um, you do manage to light it. You're not really sure how long it'll last, but there it is ablaze. You get about five to ten feet of overall light. And unfortunately for the entire group, what you reveal is not pleasant. This clock tower has a wide open expanse of the center of it. And what you do get are a not so kindly graded, wide, low, irregular staircase which wraps up the inside of the tower they have been in disrepair for decades it looks like there has been some considerable water erosion on some of these steps question now that we have a lit torch Mm -hmm. can I see any lanterns or anything else on the walls that we could potentially use no Okay. the steps that lead up are they stone metal wood stone there is a fairly stout hand railing, though, it seems. In fact, it's probably some of the same sort of thickness that you'd remember from home, Lady Elizabeth. This is a, a fairly well-made handrail. So someone was thinking at some point. But that said, just one, one last thing. But that said, Lady Elizabeth, the idea of climbing however many floors of a staircase is not a pleasant one. That's quite a climb. It is, and uh, Mr. Griffith's torch is not going to last very long. While we have a little little light, um, I'd like to kind of look around the uh, the door just to see if there's any kind of mechanism catch or anything like that, because it sounded very much to me like when we burst the door in, we set off an alarm. Uh, give me an... And you roll. Absolutely, yeah. Not a spotted roll. Okay. Okay, my location is 70. And that is a normal success, 61 under 70. It's not a trap or a ruse. The clock is still working. It's just set to go off for the quarter hour. Check my pocket watch. Yeah. yeah. Someone's maintaining the clock in this tower. But Why? Can Richard get a reading on whether this is like a normal clock or uh, some sort of, some sort of complicated clock? With respect to that, from five to maybe six floors lower, and no oh. visual sight of the mechanism, no, 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 it's a good idea. With your torch still working for the moment, my question is: is who is going up the stairs? Oh, Maggie is for sure. Certainly, I wouldn't even presuppose that you weren't. 
Well, then Simon's going to have to follow Maggie so she can see where she's going and he has to take care of her. Oh, I already know you're following. Mr. Fraser, I'm not uh, entirely certain I can make it up so many stairs, especially in the dark. That's quite all right. Your ladyship, I'll, I'll stay here with you. Um, just It might might not be a bad idea to have uh, one or more of us at ground level anyway. Lady Elizabeth, perhaps one of the gentlemen could carry you. I don't take kindly to being carried, thank you. Just thought. But I do appreciate the suggestion. But we'll be down here to catch you if you fall. Wonderful. Then, uh, Richard, you're going after Simon, I suppose? Uh, yeah, I mean, if he can get away with it, he'll sort of position himself between Maggie and Simon. But if not, he will follow Simon. I like that idea. How adventurous are you feeling? Reasonably. Okay. So, Simon, these steps are fairly unkind to most people, given their irregularity. But given your size, they are twice as difficult for you because you're a much larger individual. I'm going to be careful because uh, same thing as being in the mines. You know, you have to watch your step. So I should ask then, um, Miss Bellinger and Professor, is your size over 60? No, 55 for Richard. 55 for me as well. Wonderful. So the two of you are not impaired in the same way that Mr. Griffith is, given his size. Uh, So, Richard, that does give you a slight advantage on, say, tucking yourself between the two of them. You are able to do that, although you have no illusions about uh, Mr. Griffith's stamina uh, probably uh, uh, winning out the day eventually. Uh, But he has the torch, and so... Having him behind you is helpful, anyway. At least a little bit. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to fight or cause any issues with the professor getting in between the two of us. Oh, no, no. I, I, I had no doubt that you, would, you wouldn't you would fight it at all. It's more um, Richard's perception of what's going on. He can perceive that. The benefit of the professor being in front of me, as well as Miss Maggie, is I can keep my eyes on both of them now. Yes, yes. What was it said? The firecracker and the liability believe Miss Mia termed it as, your wife, erstwhile as she is now, the three of you now meet the staircase. And it's rather sturdy rail that goes up alongside of it, handrail. It is a help for everyone. That said, after a couple of floors, you begin to get a very distinct feeling, all of you. There's a, there's a pressure here, and one that mingles with a chill in the air. Maggie reminds you an awful lot of the underground earthen space in Poissy. That same feeling is coming. And it's almost an intoxicant for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I would like constitution rolls as you meet the second floor. So Richard fails his. He rolled an 88. Okay. You're going to slow to half speed. 19 under 90. You see it play out. Simon passes you. Maggie also failed. Okay. I rolled a 69. Simon, do you simply let them stay in front of you and slow down naturally? Of course. Okay. Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser, the light in the available space here dims. The torch moves away, slowly but surely, as the three of them make their way up the staircase. So there's still some light coming through the uh, the doorway as uh, 
Right. Is, it, is the door completely shattered or is it? The, the door is completely shattered, but the issue, moreover, is that there's the doors to the Ritsignani are, again, they're not left. They've been, they have been left wide open. Mm-hmm. And they're, the evening is on, so there's not barely any available light outside. There is now a fog in the air as well. But we're in a courtyard, aren't we? So we're, we're, we're in the open air when we stand outside the tower, yeah. If you're going to stand outside of the tower itself, you're in an open courtyard. So there's at least, I would say, an, an ambient evening light. Yeah. But even you are um, are know, knowing in the back of your head that that's, dwind- that's going to dwindle very fast. So there's a, maybe a, a, a tiny bit of light coming through the, through the door from the courtyard into the the lowest level of the of the tower but not not a great deal just enough to sort of see a few feet in front of us i guess i'm going to sit down on one of the lower stairs because we've been standing and walking for quite a while and my knees hurt is there anything get you your ladyship i don't think you're going to find a pot of tea anywhere in this area mr fraser but thank you for offering don't know until you've tried (laughs) i think we should stay put for the moment Aye. I'm going to go and stand in the uh, in the doorway and kind of look outside and look around the courtyard and the sky and just kind of watch the uh, light fade. It's something to watch the light in Venice fade, to hear even at the edges of your your own perceptions those voices, some filled with panic, some filled with some sort of righteous cause. Whatever is happening to Venice, whether it is this simulacrum piece or not that has lent to this insanity, is beginning to permeate every portion of society now. Even though you are cloistered from prying eyes of the neighborhood and others, you know that there really isn't anything more than a collection of stones between you and them. And that is going to prey on your mind just a little bit. So, Maggie... After about 30 or so steps, give or take, uh, and this clock tower as you go up, you begin to feel a muscle pain in your left leg. A very racking and difficult muscle pain to get through. It's like a force from the ether is pounding into your thigh. It grabs hold right above the knee at first, and then it settles into that meaty front portion of your thigh. And for you and your compatriots, it is going to incur further penalties as you move higher. But you, in particular, Maggie, do not treat this as an issue, a a malady. No. This is confirmation. Yes. I'm going to have all of you roll constitution now at hard difficulty to continue up. It was an 86. 26 under 60 for Richard. 14 under 90. 14 under 90, that's a clear pass. And for you, Miss Bellinger, the Hand of Fate is going to make that a success. You feel a resurgence inside of your body just as it was about to let you down this human host that your spirit resides in you demand better of it and it responds damn flesh body about three quarters of the way up you hear another 
sound from above. You hear what sounds like machinery moving. And you start hearing sounds of the clock move. I think perhaps we should cover our ears. It might be about time to go off. Do you all cover your ears? I doubt that will be a problem for me. Richard will cover his ears. Simon will definitely take a little bit of his sleeve and shove it in his ears. I will will the sound out of I pass the professor a couple of the pieces of cloth, too. Okay. Ah, thank you. And I offer some to Miss Maggie. I'm assuming, though, she's going to wave me away yeah. in, in her magnanimity. <laughs> no, thank you, Simon. The bottom of the hour bongs into existence. It's a resonant sound. It fills the lower portion of uh, the clock area and then resonates down the entire shaft of the clock. It's fairly strong. It isn't enough to make you go deaf by any means, Maggie, but you'll mind it for the future. A lesson learned, if anything. Once again, my flesh bag fails me. Uh, so, Simon, I'm going to have you roll luck for me, and a successful luck roll will mean that the torch continues. Damn it. 25 over 22. I almost made it. <laughs> About three quarters of the way up, as this gong goes off, you lose that bit of torchlight. It gets too fragile. And the, the bits of it cascade down. And that is something that you pick up on just after a few moments. You see little embers fall just ever so gracefully, like feathers from heaven lit a flame. Mr. Fraser? Hi. Your attention, please. Point him in that direction. I will. I've been away, well, 15 minutes or more. How, how tall is this? It is quite a good number of stairs. I wonder if I remembered or thought to give him any more matches. Hmm. Too bad neither of them smoke. I think you've seen Maggie smoke. She only does it socially. But she does it to impress the Parisians mm -hmm. and to hang out with her aunt when she's smoking hookahs, as her aunt is wont to do. Richard does actually smoke a pipe from time to time, but he's not a regular smoker. It's probably all back in the hotel. When we were looking at the tower from the outside, at the top of it, what did we see? Did we just see a clock face on, on each of the four sides? Yeah, so there's a clock face, and from what you remember anyway, there's some sort of plate for maybe movement of figurines. Hmm. I mean, you'd have to probably go out and look to see what was happening, but... Yeah, thinking, you know, maybe on, on the hour or, you know, at midday or something like that, or figurines possibly come out and one's got a hammer and one's got a bell or something like that. Clocks have been fashioned with figurines like that for a while now, and it would not escape you. And it's just rung the half hour, so hmm. if there was movement up there, you if you went outside, you might be able to see it. Um, but there weren't any um, openings to let light in or anything like that at all? No. Not that there's a lot of light to let in anyway. What kind of a moon do we have tonight, and what's, uh, what's the sky like? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so the sky is fairly fogged over. 
again, given the recent weather environs, you've been experiencing quite a bit of fog. It is in the first quarter position. It is not yet onto the full moon. Okay, Mr. Fraser, you would know that um, come the 10th of March, that'll be the full moon, roughly. Okay. It's a waxing moon. Given the fog, actually, come to think of it, uh, you might have a slightly better visual overall. Because with the moon behind the fog, you get a nice diffused glow over the area. But that said, it wouldn't help you inside the tower as there's no windows. It would help you outside of the tower. You'd be able to see probably a little bit better what was up there. Yeah, I think I might take a step or two outside of the tower. I don't want Lady Elizabeth to go completely out of my uh, field of vision. Certainly not. Certainly keep the door open. But, you know, they've been away an awfully long time. And I don't recall hearing anything, uh, a bell or anything like that, when we were approaching the place. And it must have taken us a while to get there. So... It does strike me as a little odd that it's only started since we opened the door. Who knows what attention it might be attracting as well. That's fair. So you head outside. If Lady Elizabeth was going to, say, step just like slightly out of that doorway and and back a little, and even not, you would still be able to keep an eye on her if you went outside through those double doors because those double doors aren't the main entrance to the Ritzignani anyway. They're side doors. Sure. You would be about 12 to maybe 15 meters from her. I'm just going to uh, pop my head out of the side door here, your ladyship. Uh, just, to, just to make sure that we haven't attracted any undue attention. Not a bad idea, Mr. Fraser. Just don't go too far. No, 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 no. I'll, uh, I'm just going to peek. Um, I won't be a moment. And I shall do that. Okay. You head outside. You look into, you get into the air and take a look around. Yeah, I'll, um, well, f- first thing I'll do is I'll open the door a crack and just kind of scan outside just to make sure there's no nobody immediately apparently standing outside there waiting to clonk me on the head with something uh, large and heavy. Um, and uh, once I've satisfied satisfied myself that I'm I'm not being observed, I'll I'll go a little bit further outside and uh, see what I can see. Okay. Yeah, you take it slow at first. Use every sense you can. Ears, even really sense of smell as necessary eyes you don't pick up anybody lying in wait outside the uh, immediate doors so you take that simple first couple of steps out into the alleyway and get a look left and right just to be sure before you start poking around you're a careful fellow Hmm. you always have been it's what got you through the war for sure so why don't you give me a spot hidden roll I shall. And we'll say it's a hard difficulty. Okay. Twenty-two under eighty. So a hard hard success it is. Very good. So your eyes are drawn up towards the clock tower, trying to discern anything about it that could be useful to your companions, not just the immediate stuff, but also um, maybe if there's a a hope of any sort of light that you might be able to, they might be able to use once they finally get up there. And what you see terrifies you. You see a figure, a lone figure in that beautiful Renaissance coat, 
with his bare hands climbing the wall up the clock tower. He does seem to be under a slight struggle, as if he's actually having to press his fingers into the stonework to claw his way up. But he is inexorably headed for the top of the tower. Shit. Uh, He will uh, run back in, assuming I don't have to make a sanity roll or anything for seeing this figure. No, no, no. You've seen this gentleman before. So, no, I wouldn't say that there's any sanity roll necessary. You're not seeing him in any sort of state. There's no long, clawed fingers or anything like that. He's just a French Renaissance gentleman who's climbing up the side of a building. Absolutely. I did a little bit of uh, wall climbing. Um, I will run, run back in. Your ladyship, it's, it's him. It's it's the um, the Comte Fenelik, whatever his name is. He's climbing up the side of the clock tower. I have to warn the others. A ghost shouldn't have to climb, but I, I, I don't know what he is. He's, he's I, I saw him on the roof, and uh, and now he's here. And I'm gonna call up the uh, the the stairs. Simon, Simon, can you hear me? Simon. I hear you, Jim. I've lost my light. There's someone coming. You need to get down right now. If you don't have a light, you need to get down. Miss Maggie and uh, Professor, I do suggest that we come back in the morning. We need light. There is not time for that, Simon. Miss Maggie, don't foolish. Make, don't make Everything me. is fine. Professor, are you going to head down the stairs? Um... Well, I don't think we can, can we? I mean, there's no light. Have faith. Professor, don't you know how to go downstairs like a child? We can walk upstairs without light. Drop on your butt and slide down the stairs till you get to the bottle. You won't fall that way. Hasn't this man lost enough trousers? Your trousers are your life, Professor. If you are too scared, go back, and I will meet you back at the hotel. Um... Miss Maggie, don't make me take you downstairs. Don't make me take you down, Mr. Griffith. Then take me downstairs. Let's get down there somehow. One way or another, we all need to get to the bottom and get some light. Apparently there's... I need light. I can practically see fine up here. All right. How many fingers am I holding up? How many fingers are you holding? I would like to to try to see, yeah. Yeah, so go ahead, roll. I get a bonus die, right? You do. Ten. How many fingers are you holding up, Simon? Three. Three! You're holding up three fingers, Simon. Professor, Miss Maggie, I'm going... Stop arguing and get moving whatever it is you're doing. I agree. For fuck's sake! I I grab the professor, or Simon does, and just grabs his shoulder and says, go down now. Um, okay. Intimidate. I'm not going to use, I put, I, I don't want to use like the intimidate because this is player versus player. I'm trying to convey to you, Richard, get your butt downstairs. No, Richard is on the fence at the minute. He's actually waiting for the, um, Simon versus Maggie thing to play out. Oh, no, you will not be um, convincing Maggie, and Maggie will probably just start walking towards whatever she feels is tugging on her leg strings. 
Assuming if you're too scared, you'll go down. Professor, go down. I can watch Miss Maggie up here. Maybe you can get down and come back with a light. Well, maybe. I I, I, I don't think we should leave her here, though. She seems somewhat... Um... I, I'll stay here. You go down. Let's not have all three of us die up here. Uh, uh, it's only a clock. So, Maggie, you're continuing forward? Yeah. Very good. I'm, I'm going to... Simon is just washing his hands at this point. He's just going to park himself on the stairs and just look at the professor and say, you go down now. I am staying here. Here we go. Okay, then. And um, Richard will grab the handrail and very nervously and very slowly go back downstairs. What is keeping them, your ladyship? So, Richard, you turn and you grab the handrail. Make me a dexterity roll. I'm going to get a light. I, th- I think a light will be useful. Um, 89. Push the roll. No. Professor, when you reach for the handrail, you get a bad piece of footing on these uneven stairs and you fall forward. Uno is correct. So, Simon, you see him just the, just the shade of him, really, because it's so dark here now. You see him turn and begin moving down the stairs, at least abruptly. And then you see what he's actually doing is pitching forward and beginning to fall down the stairs. Can I grab him with my one free hand, the one that used to hold the torch? Absolutely. So it is a opposed roll, strength against size. So basically what's going to happen is, is we're going to determine if the professor's weight is too much for you to hang on to when he falls. I rolled a 12 under 80. So, Professor's size is 55. Uh, that's a hard success versus his size. That's, I suppose that's the way I treat it. So you grab onto him. That said, a body in motion prefers to stay in motion, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to plant yourself as uh, basically as low to the center of gravity as you possibly can. I'm... Um- you lay back against the stairs because it's the only way you're going to keep the professor from pitching completely forward. And so you've dragged the professor on top of yourself. I'll leave the two of you there on the stairs on top of one another. Maggie, you continue up the flight of stairs. And as you do so, you begin to see the gears of the clock. You really have to be careful, you think. Luckily, this form is not very tall. And so you wouldn't have to probably stoop like Simon would but you get an opportunity to get up to the mechanical clock level. Unfortunately, even with your exceptional vision, there's an awful lot of shadow here. You do see through the outer clock face now a little bit of a white glow. You think maybe it's from the moon? And so you get an an additional bit of light given your, um, we'll say, current state. For you, Lady Elizabeth, and you, Mr. Fraser, there is a kerfuffle that goes on on the stairway. You hear um, some somebody falls, maybe a little bit. You hear uh, what maybe an altercation, raised voices, and then suddenly there's a bunch of thumping no- noises up there. Going on up there. I don't think I want to know what the thumping noises are. Um, I'm going to step outside again and, and uh, just outside of the... Um the door of the, the tower, which hopefully I'll be able to see where this fellow is, how, how high up, how far up the side of the clock tower he's got. Uh, oh, he's 
He's climbing with some zest. Uh, he's going to be at the clock face any moment. Does he want? Yalinishab, do you think he, he's after the, the piece as well? Entirely likely. If he is, we do wish they can't let him take it. If, if, if he is, if it's up there. Mr. Fraser, do you feel the need to go assist? I don't like leaving you down here on your own. I will be fine. He's up there. Go. Very well. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. But please call out if, if you see or anything or anything. Yes, yes. Just go, Mr. Fraser. Um, and I'm going to start running up the steps. Okay, so this should be fun. Um, running up these stairs is an entirely different notion. Um, so I need to know a couple of things. One, Mr. Fraser's size. 70. Okay. Uh, so there is a penalty for anyone oversized 60. Okay. And that is because the stairs are irregular and they're built basically for shorter people. Okay. As throughout history, generally speaking, little... Um, so it is a hard con roll for you, Mr. Fraser, to get up these stairs. Okay. Uh, I have a con of 85. And that's a 07. Fantastic. Uh, you navigate the staircase, at least the first half of it, with uh, relative ease. <clears throat> it's really when you get probably about four to five meters up. When you take that next set of mental breaths, when you're running up a staircase, you start to feel the weight on your body, specifically on that left leg. That is where you begin to get an excruciating amount of muscular torture. <laughs> it's, it feels like the whole thing is burning now. And you haven't even been running that long. What is this? What's going on? You are running into darkness. And there are objects on the staircase that will be in your way. This is insane. Why didn't we bring any light with us? I will give you a spot hidden roll at hard difficulty to see your companions who are kind of splayed on the staircase at some point. Would there be a chance that I would I would hear them if they're kind of making a noise moving around? Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. If you'd like a listen roll instead, maybe at normal difficulty, just because they like we would likely make more noise. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll take a listen at normal difficulty if that's an option for me. It is an option. Uh, that's a normal success for a listen. Yep. Oh, whoa, wow. They're right here. Now you got to slow down. What's going on? What's what, what's happening? Simon, are you there? Jim, uh, Professor slipped, so I had to grab him so he didn't fall down the stairs. Yes. Miss Maggie... She's possessed by something, or what? her overconfidence is fantastic. But um, she's in grave danger. There's somebody climbing the the, the side of the building. We we have to get up. I think he might be after the the the, the piece of the simulacrum, Professor. I'm going to ask you a dumb question. Do you have your device with you? I do. Yes. If you put it on, would you be able to see with the aid of your device so you would at least be, have a light source? Ah, yes. Yes, I'm sure. I'm slightly nervous, but... um, Just do it and guide us up the stairs. Okay. So while this is going on, I'm going to try and negotiate my way past them and use the handrail to guide me up the stairs, kind of holding on to it to shimmy up. I'm sure they'll catch me up at some, some point, but... I don't like the idea of leaving Maggie on her own up there with this thing, whatever it is coming. Certainly. I was 
was unaware we had a night vision sextant. Were you? Yes, uh, you are able to negotiate the, the way past them. Although it, it does come at maybe one or two bumps into Simon directly. Um, but you do manage to negotiate past the stairs and past them. I'll, uh, I'll keep going up. They're uh, well aware that I'm kind of mostly blind going up the stairs here, but um, I will keep a good firm hold onto the handrail. Hopefully it's secure enough that it's not going to come away on in my hand if I do slip or anything. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, Professor Courtney, your plan is to attempt to use the device to see? Yes. Hopefully the threads that would normally come in and out of normal everyday objects, as well as maybe a, um, a greater density of threads up, up in the tower, one would assume. I don't know. Hopefully the whole thing kind of makes sense and sheds some light. I think it's a fantastic amount of faith that you put into a device. You've no idea where it's come from. I applaud you. Good luck. Make a power. <laughs> now, does um, Richard have to pick some lenses? And if so, does he know which one he's picking he, in the he dark? He does have to pick lenses. And he likely has no idea what he's picking. Well, some might do. The good news is... I made that payroll, but it was 80 on 80. Ooh. I do like that. And lenses, I think we're going to go for blue. That seems uh, appropriate. And that's what you'll go for. But I'm going to use the randomness of polyhedrals to determine which ones you actually use. Oh, dear. Do you know that one attenuates to the left and one attenuates to the right? And so are you trying to use one or two lenses? on left or right positions and then uh, yeah let me know one on eight okay we'll roll a d4 for each then alright hmm. you move two lenses into position roll me a d6 two spend two points of magic and as you do on the left side of your vision Everything begins to be painted with a pink hue. On the right side of your vision, you feel the rather sickening feeling of everything going a little bit deeper of a shade of ebony. That said, because you're using the lens to view that sort of realm which is not physical, the trappings of illumination are not required. And so you get this hazy sort of pink and gray overlay to everything. And while it's not perfect by any means, it does allow you enough sight to see the stairs again and the clock tower. And what appears overhead is a massive thread knot of strands. And in and along them, each one, you see are interwoven strange forms, these pale gray and white shades of humanoid forms. You have a distant memory of Paris and the hotel room there. And when you look back and saw what had happened in the past, when you'd seen the constant churn of the guillotine, and you remember those same shades... You, you must be viewing through the pink lens again. And it's showing you the, the past, maybe? 
It's incredible. It captivates you for a moment. But then you remember that you have somewhere to be. And Simon is literally laying on the stone steps below you, trying to find his footing. So what we'll say is, you have the ability to see in the staircase now, although you are hindered. So any spot-hidden based rolls, you'll be at an immediate disadvantage for. You do see James Fraser running, hand on the rail the entire time, pulling himself up as fast as he can to get to where you know Maggie has gone. Right, come on, Simon. Um, I, I can sort of see of sorts. Put your hand on the rail and let's get moving. Yes. We've got to save Miss Maggie from herself. But put, put, put your hand on my back and, um, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll lead the way. Okay. And with that, Richard will... Try again. With that, Richard will ascend. You do so. You ascend. Maggie, the top of the clock tower is a mechanical wonder. Truly something that even a deity like yourself could appreciate. It seems that at least someone at some point around here had some understanding of machinery and how it works. Clearly they're not with you now, but someone here had that ability. And from what your eyes can pick up of this the base of the clock tower here, that level where all these massive gears and automatons rest, you can feel it here in this room that sense of cold that almost rot smell from the dirt in Poissy the same scent is here having had experience with it before can I tune into or focus on those sensations like a simulacrum detector well I very much like the idea of this so I would like you to give me a power roll. And I'm going to play an empowered hand of fate in favor of you. I'm going to roll on roll 20 because the real dice have not been treating me the kindest. So you're at advantage for the roll. That's so 65 under 7. Okay. So you hone in and you feel these almost light tendrils of energy begin to wrap around your upper body and your neck. Sort of feel the energy well out from you. And all of a sudden, the room to you is viewable. It's colorful, even. This is exactly how the room should look. The figurines here are properly painted. And each one has a purpose. There are all sorts of different automatons. There is an image of death here. There is a winged lion. A soldier armed with a sword. Something that feels like an assassin. Some strange club. You see a rustic woman. And man. You see an angel. All automatons, all part of this play. And you know amongst them, the piece is here, and you have to find it. For your part, 
Mr. Fraser, you hustle, heave. Yep. You've been in positions before when you've had to run up a hill. Oh, yes. Um, And this is no different. And so putting your companions behind you, you meet eventually the landing, which leads to the final staircase that goes up to the clock level. And what I will need from you Hmm. in this um, moment is a dexterity roll. Absolutely. I'll call out fairly quietly as well. Miss Ballinger, Miss Ballinger, where are you? Hear him. And that is a 38, which is a successful dexterity roll. You do hear him. You can choose whether or not you'd like to reply, obviously. Hmm. Yes, Fraser, everything's fine. It's quite magnificent up here. Well, you're in grave danger, Miss Ballinger. There's someone coming, someone who I really would rather not meet. Oh, who is it? It's, well... Is it Lady Elizabeth's brother? No, no, I don't I, I don't know for, for sure who it is, but I think it's... I think it's that fellow from France, the, the, the Comte, the Fenulic. Oh, he's, he's climbing here. up. He's climbing up the side of the clock tower. He means me no harm. I've talked to him before. What? I'm, I'm sure I have. Where are you? I, I, I can hardly see a thing up here. I don't fear him. It's fine, Fraser. If you're scared, go back down. No, no, no. We need to, we need to make sure he, he doesn't get the, the, the limb if it's here. The, the, the leg. He doesn't want that. He wants us to get it. Why is he climbing up the side of the tower, then? Perhaps he wants to see us. How do you know this, anyway? I d- I've seen him before. Where? When? Well, back in Milan. Why have you not told any of us? It didn't seem important at the time. What? I I, I don't understand. Where are you? I think I heard whispers of him earlier. Um, here in Venice. He he means us no harm. I, he certainly meant us harm when we were in, 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 in France. He threw me against a wall. Well, what did you do to deserve it? What do you mean, what did I do to the... T- I don't understand you. Miss Ballinger, what's wrong with you? You're, you're not yourself. Oh, I am more myself than I've ever been. You're scaring me, Miss Ballinger. Where are you? I, I can't find you. I'm just going to kind of try and follow the sound of her voice and feel my way around the room. Yeah, so this last portion of staircase that you've had to kind of move up, you end up having to go sideways up because the, the staircase portion here is very narrow. Okay. Uh, so it, it, it feels, when you feel around through this portion of the staircase, the handrail leads up to this almost tiny set of ladder stairs, right? Uh, so it's like a half ladder that's built into the, the side here where the stone ends, where before the clock tower floor starts and so you've shimmied up there now you're on the floor and you can actually feel floor below your your hands so you, you know that you're not on stairs anymore and the, now you get the big twilight fog light moon backed face of the clock and so any spot hidden rolls are at, at disadvantage but you have what are effectively twilight portions of vision so you can see the the figures you see her moving about I'll do the old trick of closing my eyes for a moment and then reopening them so that my eyes can adjust to the lower light levels here and uh, and that kind of make my way over to her have you seen the, the, the piece is it is it here do you think 
I'm working on that. Maggie would be moving towards the automatons, probably impressed with the craftsmanship, but to inspect them, because knowing from the letter that his figures, whoever was in the letter, were important to him, he took the, the leg was taken for the figures, it might be on one of these. So you two begin moving towards the figures, at least Maggie for sure, and then I assume after... Yes, yeah, I'm I'm going to stop. Fraser, you must not touch it before me. So deep below this, probably a few flights below, Richard, you are guiding Simon as best you can up these staircases. You've got a fair vision now, and Simon, to his credit, it does seem like Richard knows where he's going. You haven't really had a misstep in the this thick rail of wood that runs the right side of the... Uh, the staircase is supremely helpful only because you know for a fact that on the left side of the staircase that's here, it's open air. And so if you fall, it is likely death. Oh, Simon's got a death grip on that rail. No doubt. But the two of you begin to, to make your way up. You see the, the stairs, Richard, they seem to um, shorten as they go up this, this final set of staircases. And so you'll have to you know that Simon will have to, to duck down and, and probably even move sideways to even get through that space. Um, my night, the, the stairs are getting shorter and um, it's a little more um, enclosed. I'm following. Go, get us up there. We have to save Miss Maggie. I am, I am. So for your part, Richard, what you are also seeing is that the thread works continue here. And the closer you get to the clock tower, the thicker they're getting. Oh, the leg's definitely up here. I, I'm sure of it. Lady Elizabeth? Yes? You hear footsteps. Well, I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to be caught sitting down. Of course. The footsteps walk in the Ritzignani front door. We hear them from the alleyway before they approach. There is no attempt to hide them. And you see something you've never seen before. Not truly. Not this close. He's taller than you expected. He's far more attractive than you expected. And he walks in with a very broad smile. And he walks in, interestingly enough, with a lantern. Elizabeth, how wonderful to see you. Alexander, I presume? He gives a very, almost like, foppish bow. He gives you some sort of bow, but it's feigned at best. I see no one taught you proper etiquette. Oh, you don't bow to my lessers. And nor should you. I don't bow to anyone, except the king. <laughs> and seeing as he's not here... That's very true. He sets the lantern on a wall holder opens up the hood so there's far, far more light than normal in the space down here. I heard there was a disturbance at the Rialto, and I figured it couldn't have possibly been your party. And sure enough, it was. Oh, yes, well, I heard some of my acquaintances ran into a very rude individual in a gelato parlor, and I thought, oh, certainly that can't be my beloved bastard of a half-brother now, it be and behold was you know for my part I was nothing but 
nice to them. You've already colored their opinion, which is fine. Did you know, dear brother, nice used to mean foolish or idiotic? <laughs> so in that case, I quite agree. So are you, um, he looks around, unattended? No. He seems to kind of strain an ear to the left and the right. I don't hear anyone. Yes, well, perhaps you need your hearing checked. Perhaps I just sat down for a moment. Well, I thought I would come and say hello. You've said it. Congratulations. You know, I understand why you're upset. And you have every right to be. Upset? Do I look upset? Do I sound upset? Oh, certainly. Do I look like I am particularly bothered by the presence of someone who has absolutely no claim to my family? <laughs> no, you, you don't bother me, Alexander. Not one bit. You are a bastard. You are not one of us. Why should I be bothered by you? I don't know. You sound awful bothered. Sometimes we just hear what we want to. <laughs> You're good for that. You always have been. You don't like the truth. I understand. That father had a life before he had you and Raymond. And that's okay. I don't need his land anymore. I don't need his money. Besides, the solicitors... All a fun game. Got me exactly what I wanted. So I have you to thank for that. And you're, um, what I can only assume is a member of your party or perhaps a member of your household. Some petty investigators that have gone poking their noses into things. Well, they're going to get theirs very shortly. I really don't know what you're speaking of. It's immaterial, I suppose. I won't bore you with it, because so many things bore you. I'll just say this. You have a book. Hmm? Many, in fact. A particular book that Father left. Hmm? Oh, yes. I'm certain of it. Hmm. And while you might think that you are going to be able to open it and read it, I will guarantee you that you won't. Really? How fascinating. And you think you can? No, I don't actually. And that is the ultimate irony of life. We both want what's in the book, and it'll take the both of us to get it. And so this is, he splays his hands out for you, an opportunity. We can put aside the silliness of your words and the somewhat frivolous attempts at my uh, lawyering, and we can work together on something truly life-changing for everyone. Or, all the little secrets that are in that book stay nice and hidden. Just think on it. There's no need to make a decision now. I'm sure you have um, other things to attend to, like skulking around an old home. Enjoy your adventure. Skulking. It's hmm. an interesting word choice. You seem to know quite a bit about skulking. Oh, certainly. You see, when you're, um, how did you put it? A bastard. You don't get the advantages of a nice cozy home. A rich ledger book full of money and horses in France. 
You grow up in a hovel. In the dirt. And you fight for every fucking thing you get. And so keep this in mind. If I have to destroy you to get it, I will. I'd rather not. I think you're quite interesting. I think you'll find, brother, that I also know quite a bit about having to fight for what's mine. I'm not Raymond. I'm not one of your rich and privileged men in this society. I know quite a bit about fighting and struggling and being overlooked. Quite a bit, actually. So if you think... If you think that because I happen to have the remnants of some of Father's money, because he felt bad at some point for all the things he said, if you think that gives you an advantage, you are quite mistaken. Truly, no well-worn card amongst your kind than the wounded woman. You play it so well. No need to play. When you're ready to put the pettiness aside and work on something that can change the face of the world and read what's in the book let me know you'll be waiting a long time I hope not for your sake he hoods the lantern takes it leaves you in the dark and that's where we'll call our episode to a close So thank you so much for joining us on this rather spirited episode of Horror on the Orient Express. We truly enjoy having your listening ears. Thank you and good night.